Happy Tuesday. Welcome into NSN Daily. Chris Murray, Shannon Kelly. I'm Brian Samudio, Anthony Resnick taking the helm behind the scenes. Uh, guys, busy show day. Christian Chamberlain is going to join us, former Reno High School uh, baseball star who had an incredible career at Oregon State, uh, now taking his talents to the major leagues. We're going to talk to him about his next step, the GOAT Challenge. We are in the Final Four. This will be an interesting one today, guys. Chris Alt versus Gabby Williams. You've got you know, the old guard in Chris Alt, but Gabby Williams, and she rallied really late in her last uh, last matchup to win that. Patrick Mahomes is worth a lot of money uh, right now. So we're going to get into that deal a little bit and just how just unfathomable these numbers really are. And it's Tuesday. We usually do takeout Tuesday on Tuesdays, but we haven't been able to chat with Shannon about her favorite takeout spot. And I, I, I've picked up a couple in the last couple of weeks, so we're going to I'll run that around as well. And the Murray statue, I brought it up yesterday a little bit that maybe the Reynolds School of Journalism needs a Chris Murray statue. And one of our favorite Twitter accounts decided to pick up the ball and run it through a wall. So uh, we'll talk about that as well. But starting off, guys, um, Nevada football continues to recruit the Lone Star State very heavily, picking up a, a commitment from uh, Ty Collins, a running back uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Chris, when you look at this prospect, he had some some lower tier offers, a few of them right there in his home state, but chooses Nevada. Yeah, his only other FBS offer was Texas San Antonio, but he did have some FCS offers, Abilene Christian, Lamar, South Dakota State, Texas Southern as a junior. Uh, rushed for uh, 1,228 yards in 10 games and 14 touchdowns. Uh, obviously a very competitive area uh, where he comes from. Forney, Texas is probably about 15 miles to the east of Dallas. So he's playing against really good competition. It's definitely a position of need for Nevada. Nevada did not have a running back in this 2021 class. Uh, you look at the depth chart, they literally only have three scholarship running backs on the team. One of them's a true freshman uh, joining the team this year. And then you have uh, Toa Tawa, uh, and Devontae Lee. So you're, you're looking at a, a group that doesn't have a lot of depth, uh, and both Toa and Devontae are juniors, so uh, they'll be seniors uh, when Collins does join the Wolfpack. So uh, it's definitely a position where Nevada could have added some talent, and I think it's smart to add at least one running back, maybe two in this class. Uh, you know, he doesn't have crazy blazing speed, but he has good size, 5'10", 5'11", 190 pounds. I'll probably have to put on, you know, maybe 15, 20 pounds to be kind of an every down kind of back and get, you know, 20 carries per game. But, uh, you know, uh, certainly a guy who comes from a very good program and uh, you know put up really good numbers as a junior he played on the varsity team as a, a sophomore as well so uh, you know the latest addition and you know the class is, is getting pretty full I mean you're up to 12 players so far and obviously it's been a very different recruiting landscape so Nevada having a ton of success uh, getting those verbal commitments and we'll, we'll see if they can hold those all the way through December when they can actually sign those letters of intent. You know Shannon it's funny it's evidence of how quickly a landscape can change at a position in not just college football, but college athletics across the board. Yeah. But in football, we looked at this running back room a year ago, and you're talking about Jackson Kincaid, Kelton Moore, Devontae Lee, Toa Tawa, among others. And we were wondering, who's going to get the football? And now suddenly Nevada's at the point where they're looking around the room going, we need running backs. Yeah, definitely. I mean, with Devontae Lee and Toa Tawa, those are your two main guys who you go to, but they're not going to be around forever, really. You know, they only have, you know, two more seasons left. And then what do you, you know, what do you do from there? So 
yeah, they definitely need needed to add this, and it would be helpful if they added one more guy. And Coach Norvell says he loves those guys from Texas. He loves recruiting them. And I know another big thing that he stressed, too, in the past is just recruiting guys from the same area, guys who have played against each other, and they're able to bring that in and have some sort of familiarity when they're coming into the program. And I think that'll be big for, you know, there's a few other freshmen on the team this year to get that experience and learn from guys like Devontae Lee and Toa Tawa. And it will be important for uh, the new kid Collins to come in and learn from them his senior from them their senior year because yeah he's going to probably be the guy um although he wasn't ranked I think you know rankings necessarily don't mean anything until you step onto the field everyone can have this and that in high school but until really you make that mark in in your collegiate career that's what really counts yeah Chris we're as Shannon said we're really starting to see Jay Norvell's fingerprints on this program when it comes to recruiting and how much he likes going into Texas. I mean, his time in Texas and Oklahoma, even Arizona State, you know, I mean, to go after guys like Javasia Brunson, Braylon Garcia, both out of Lufkin, some guys out of the Dallas area. Building that Texas family in Reno, you know, if you've got eight or ten guys and you come on campus as a as a you know incoming freshman recruit and you go, oh, these are guys that are from where I'm from. That means so much, I think, to a recruit who maybe maybe you bring somebody in and they go, well, I don't know anybody here. This doesn't feel familiar at all. I'm, I'm going to reject Nevada. I think this is a, a way to really get your hands into Texas. Yeah, I mean, California is still the state they go after most heavily. You look at Jay Norville's first three classes, 55 of the players he signed came from California. But Texas is second. It's been about eight to ten players from Texas who have signed with Nevada. I remember talking with Tommy Tuberville when he was the coach at Texas Tech during the 2011 season because Nevada had just started recruiting Texas under Coach Alt. Uh, and I asked him, you know, how do you think Nevada? very difficult state to recruit because you have the SEC in there. You obviously have the Big 12 in there. Uh, Texas and Texas A&M usually get the pick of the top players uh, coming out of that state. So uh, it's not an area that is, you know, you're, that, that's not going to be looked at by the best teams in the country. So you can go and get players for sure, but you're going to have to find those diamonds in the rough because if they're a good player, if they're a high three, four, five-star player, uh, the SEC schools, the Big 12 schools are going to be all over those guys. So you have Matt Mummy. Obviously, Matt has a lot of ties in uh, you know the the Texas area uh, and then you have Bill Best the new offensive line coach who spent the majority of his life uh, in coaching down in Texas as well so I do think they are putting a little bit more focus on Texas than maybe the first couple of years and you've seen uh, with some of these commitments uh, Dominic Eldridge was the first commitment in the class he's a nationally rated prospect uh, he uh, has committed to Nevada so yeah you're probably going to see four or five players from Texas per class and uh, you know I think it's good I, I think the bread and butter should be California but you can't 100% just be on that state because that's a state that's heavily picked over as well so if you can get some kids from Texas some kids from Arizona some kids from Las Vegas hopefully a couple of kids from Reno uh, and then you know maybe 60-65% of your kids are from California uh, you got to use those ties and Nevada has a couple of coaches with ties to uh, Texas and, and that those Football means a lot more to people from Texas. Uh, so you're going to get a guy who comes into your program who usually loves football, who's been re coached really well at the high school level, who's already played against really good competition. So maybe they'll be able to give you a little bit more of an immediate impact uh, than a kid like from Reno uh, where the competition isn't quite as high. Yeah, I mean, you can just scratch the surface in the state of Texas. And if you bring a national recruit out of the Lone Star State, you've done a pretty darn good job because go down the list. Texas, Texas A&M, Texas Tech, TCU, SMU. Houston, and that's barely scratching the surface because there's another half dozen other schools 
that are basically D1 caliber schools and a kid can play in his own backyard if he wants to. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I like this pickup. I don't mind seeing them uh, continue to try and get their claws into Texas at all. Uh, you know what? This, this week is, is bittersweet for us here on the NSN team, all the three of us. Uh, last year, got a chance to all go up as a full team. We took the entire NSN team up to Lake Tahoe to Edgewood to cover the American Century Championship Celebrity Golf Tournament is back. The entire field is back. Sam's Justin Timberlake. Justin Timberlake is the only one who is really not committed to this. Uh, talking to an official off the record, he even said, you know, we don't even know if he's just going to show up. No, it's Justin Timberlake. It's like, you know, Shannon Kelly. She just shows up and she can play. Uh, guys, it, it is bittersweet, but at the same time, without fans, I'm really, really happy that this event is going to go on. Uh, Shannon, this is a one-of-a-kind event, but this is going to look really different this year. Yeah, it's going to look so different. I mean, it honestly doesn't even feel like ACC week because there's just not all the hype surrounding it that we're all going to be up there as we have been in the years past. And yeah, it's going to look so different. I mean, I'm so glad that they're able to still put it on and get these celebrities to come up to South Lake Tahoe for this event because it is such a big deal up there. I mean, that's the one big event at Edgewood and South Lake for the summer. Summer. and but I'm excited still I mean it's going to look a lot different just watching them on TV and it's going to be quiet for some of these celebrities who have been doing this for 10 20 years I mean they're used to the fans they're used to the noise and for there to be no noise no fans it's it's going to be weird but I'm looking forward to some of the new celebrities taking the field this year yeah this is a tournament you're going to be able to see on our sister station news four on Saturday and on Sunday we're sending Julian Delgadio and Alex Margulies up there this year. I mean, to think about it, last year, I believe we had 12 or 14 credentials for NSN alone. This year, I think they're only issuing about two dozen, Chris. But the experience for the celebrities, I think one of the reasons why they're pouncing on it is, you know, you get to play one of the most beautiful golf courses in the country. You get to do it against the most beautiful lake in the world. And you're doing it the way that the three of us would play Edgewood quiet where you're going to hear the strike of the golf ball echoing off the pine trees. And it is just such a picturesque uh, venue. Uh, I think it's going to be such a completely different experience for these, these former athletes and celebrities. Yeah. I mean, the tournament's known for that fan uh, celebrity interaction. Uh, it's the access to go and see some of the people who you grew up idolizing or that you love watching playing sports. So it will be different, but I mean, you have to give credit to the ACC for bringing out this quality of the field. I mean, you have Steph Curry, you have Aaron Rodgers, you have Charles Barkley, Jerry Rice, some of those normal big names. And then some of the new additions, I mean, Super Bowl MVPs, Patrick Mahomes and Vaughn Miller, Oscar De La Hoya, one of the best boxers ever new to the field. Uh, MLB all-stars like Chase Utley and Brian McCann playing in their first event. Michael Pena, an actor who's been in some of those Marvel movies. Uh, Cooper Cup, uh, a new addition, NFL player for the Rams. So they really were able to sell these celebrities that you can come out here and we're going to put on a safe event and you're not going to get sick and uh you know kudos to them the local charity and, and to fight COVID-19 so yeah it's just great that we've seen so many of these events have to shut down this year the Reno Rodeo the air races the, the rib cook-off the balloon race uh you know one after another so it's just really nice to see one of our 
normal huge summer events uh, being played. Uh, they, they do ask if you have a boat and you bring it out to 17, not to try and get on the shore and not throw anything to the athletes as they walk by. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how disciplined the athletes are uh, when they're done playing golf. You know, will they be able to socially distance, not go into the casinos, things of that nature? I assume many of them probably are just renting cabins up in Tahoe uh, and will kind of go that route. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's going to be a fun event. It's going to be a little bit different. But like you said, I mean, you can watch it on NBC and uh, we'll see if Tony Romo can three-peat. We've had a couple of three-peats in the past and uh, he's clearly the, uh, the betting line favorite and uh, clearly the best golfer in the field. Although, you know, Mark Mulder won three in a row before Romo's reign, so he might be able to upset him. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a, a sad week for me personally on a personal note because this will be the first tournament that I've missed since 1995. Do not ask how, Shan how old Shannon Kelly was in 1995. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, former Reno High School pitcher, now professional baseball player, Christian Chamberlain will join us on the show. That's next. Welcome back into NSN Daily. Shannon Kelly and Chris Murray here. Joined now by former Reno High and Oregon State pitcher, just recently drafted and signed with the Kansas City Royals, Christian Chamberlain. First off, just congratulations. Uh, what have the last few weeks just been like for you through this whole process? Uh, I mean, the whole draft process, pretty hectic leading up to it. And then actual draft day, I mean, I did exactly what I was told not to do, watch the entire draft. And uh, I mean, kind of got stressed out when I got to the points of where I thought I'd go and ended up getting my name called. And it was probably the most exciting day ever. I mean, I had 30 of my best friends at the house with me. Everyone was celebrating and I mean, got flown out to Kansas City. The weekend after, was there for a week for orientation and stuff like that. Met all the draft class guys. and Seemed like a good group of guys and kind of excited to get started. But, I mean, minor league season's canceled. So, kind of just waiting and staying in shape. I'm kind of curious how that draft day thing works. So, do you get a call ahead of time saying, hey, we're going to pick you here? Or are you just watching the TV and then you hear your name called and you're completely caught out of the blue that it's your name? I had actually agreed uh, to pick 106 to the Blue Jays, and then my advisor had called me, and, like, I had agreed, and then he goes, hold up, the Royals are on the line, if you get picked by them, it'll be for a little more money, and uh, you won't know until you see it on TV, because they're already on the clock, so. <laughs> what was just that moment like for your family? I mean, they've been supporting you throughout your whole baseball career and for your parents to see your name come up on the TV screen. Uh, for me, I was excited and kind of like all the hard work paid off. And my mom, uh, I think my, most of my family was crying. Some of my friends were crying. And we had a little draft thing here and at my house now. And I mean, we had pretty much all my friends from high school, some guys from college and Everyone was there, everyone was videoing, and it was nuts when uh, my name got called on, on TV. I mean, you really took a, a really nice path. I mean, you played for Washoe Little League. That's the League of Champions. My son's owned for that league, so I want to give them a shout-out. Then Reno High. Pete Savage obviously has a great program. Then you go to Oregon State, maybe the best program in the nation. You win a national championship your freshman season. I mean, how, how do you think playing for each of those programs has helped you be ready to be a professional baseball player? Uh, I mean, just starting at a young age with a good group of dudes. I mean, I think off my Little League All-Star team, we had five Division One baseball players, something like that. And then going to Pete Savage, who's arguably the best coach in Northern Nevada. I mean, he kind of pumps players out to the Division One level. And then he got me ready for a high-caliber program going into Pat Casey. They were pretty similar coaching styles. 
And then I had three different coaches there. Uh, that was kind of a switch up every year. But, I mean, learned a new thing from each one of them. And those kind of helped me get ready to the point where I'm at now. How do you think you grew just as a player overall um, at your time at Oregon State to prepare you now for the next level? Thompson, I weighed 180, so that was a big part of it. Uh, but, I mean, just being around some of the best best players in the country. I mean, we had five first-round draft picks off my freshman year team and kind of seeing how they go about their business and you kind of catch on and put that in your own style of game and I think that's kind of what got me ready for uh, the next level. How much did this last year help you? I mean, you had started somewhat, but you were mostly pitching out of the bullpen, and then you come in as a Friday starter, and you had incredible numbers in your four starts before the season was canceled. How much do you think you proved to pro teams that, you know, I can be a starter, I can get you through the lineup two or three times, and, uh, you know, I can be a high-round draft pick? Uh, I mean, I always knew I had it, and it was more of getting other people to believe it. And... Uh, Rich Dorman at Oregon State and Coach Canham gave me a shot this year. Um, and, I mean, kind of just had to make the most of it pretty much. And I knew I could do it. I mean, I started my four years in high school, uh, and I knew I could go several, seven innings, eight innings, uh, and hold my stuff. And that was the big question with me was if I could hold my stuff or not through a couple times through the order. And, that was a question that got eliminated in those first four starts. Kind of wish I had a full season to do it, but made the most of those. You said you went out to Kansas City for a week. Uh, just talk about that experience a little bit. I mean, did it hit you that, hey, I am a part of this organization once you touch down there in Kansas City? I think it hit me when I went to the bank and got like set up my new bank account and had to put my employer down as the Kansas City Royals. <laughs> That's kind of when I was like, okay, like, it's actually happening or whatever and then Kansas City flew me out and uh kind of met all the guys and I mean signing or for signing day they had us all out in the field name up on the huge scoreboard they got there and it was a surreal experience they flew my dad out as well to watch me sign so it was kind of everyone and their families out there you mentioned a bank account it's uh it's probably pretty full at this point is there one thing that you wanted to purchase as soon as you signed that you was kind of on your bucket list uh, as you know kind of a first big uh, item uh, not, not right now. I mean, but kind of just trying to save a little money right now and we don't get it all up front. So do you know where you'll be going? I mean, obviously, like you said, no minor league baseball. Is there kind of a plan for some of the guys who were drafted to, you know, try and at least play a little bit this summer? Uh, there was a kind of like hypothetical thing, but that got canceled for the summer. And so I'll be back here for a while. And then I think they're sending us down to Arizona in the fall. So. What's it been like just trying to train from home these last few months even and just trying to stay self-motivated because you're not around your, you know, your normal teammates every day? Um, have you been playing catch with some of your former teammates here in town or what's the training process been like? Um, actually, when uh, Connor Earl was back, I was throwing with him for a little while and then I got a good group of guys down at uh, Northern Nevada Baseball Factory, uh, mostly D1 and professional players. So if I need a catcher, uh, Curtis Roberts, my catcher from Reno High, has actually been catching me a little bit. So, I mean, good group down there and been able to stay in shape and get my workouts and stuff in. One of the Royals assistant scouting directors was quoted on MLB.com saying one of the reasons they really liked you is because of how well you uh, hit when you were at Reno High. I mean, you hit like 460 with like 15 home runs your last two seasons. Uh, I mean, did you think that that would actually be like a plus in, in your area? And, and how much did – 
you know, not being able to hit as much at Oregon State kind of hurt you because you are such a good two-way player? Uh, I mean, I wasn't complaining too much my freshman year. Uh, I hit going into season, but, I mean, it would have been pretty tough to break that that lineup we had uh, there. I think we had every guy on that team drafted in the first five rounds in that lineup. Uh, and I thought my role, I'd play more as a pitcher uh, on that team. So kind of just did my part and uh, got some innings and ended up getting some pretty important innings. Um, but I never thought it would affect the draft process or anything like that. And uh, I guess being a good athlete was a big bonus on selling myself a little bit. So as you close um, this chapter at Oregon State, uh, what are you going to take away from your time most there? What sticks out to you? Is there a certain memory or what What are you going to take away from there? Obviously, that College World Series experience is uh, second to none. But, uh, I mean, just all the times in the locker room with all my best friends up there. And, I mean, just all the little moments on travel days, going on the airplanes, long bus rides, stuff like that. I mean, kind of just builds character and uh, just some of my best times with my good friends. So I hate to mention the size because everybody brings it up that you're only <laughs> listed at five foot 10. Um, you know, that's kind of like the big knock on you that you're only five foot 10. I mean, how much did that motivate you uh, during this entire process? You know, upset you that people would just look at your size and be like, Oh, he can't pitch in the big leagues. He's not tall enough. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Uh, that that started at a young age, like going back to Little League. I remember uh, me and Garrett Goldsmith, um, if you know that name, up at Washington State. Uh, always the two smallest players, even at Reno High. Uh, but, I mean, kind of just play with your chip on your shoulder. And that was something that motivated me 100%. And going in, I think I was like six inches shorter than every draft draftee when I went out to Kansas City. But, <laughs> I mean – when it comes down to it, if you can play, you can play, and that's that's what matters. So, What's just next for you now? I mean, you said you're going to be training here from home and then hopefully in the fall get to get out there, but is that all you really – have you met any of your other teammates um, when you went out there? You know, have you been able to kind of keep in touch with any of them yet? Uh, yeah, I mean, we got a group chat with all, all the guys that got signed in, in my class or whatever. A couple of the older guys reached out and – said congratulations and that whole thing and uh I mean not not too much right now is going on uh with minor league being canceled but uh just trying to make the most of it so not to be too invasive but where do you keep that world series ring the uh the college world series championship ring you won your freshman season uh it's upstairs right now <laughs> <laughs> my mom my mom holds on to that one okay Nice. Did you get some uh, Royals swag? Did you have a Royals hat planned or, you know, did you have a kind of a Blue Jays hat just in case they were the one that took you? Uh, no, like nothing planned. And actually Garrett Goldsmith's dad, uh, he's one of my best friends as well on that same Little League team with Connor and I. Uh, his dad's actually a Royal Scout, so he lives about 30 seconds up the road. So after we signed, drove up there, he gave me a Royals hat and but, yeah, no, no hats were planned before, kind of just going with the flow. So, Well, thanks for joining us here on NSN Daily, uh, Christian. Uh, we look forward to your future, and uh, congrats on signing with the Royals. Uh, we'll be right back uh, after a few couple of messages with NSN Daily.
NSN Daily rolling along on your Tuesday. Before we get to the Go Challenge, I unfortunately did some math. You know, earlier in the show, we talked about uh, this will be my first American Century Tournament, missing it since 1995. Shannon Kelly was this many years old <laughs> in 1995. So uh, once again, once again, my talented teammates making me feel like the dinosaur that I am. Uh, Go Challenge this time around. Marion Motley advanced to the final uh, by beating uh, Matt Williams. Motley took over 72% of the vote. And that one, and this one so far, as we've taped this show early in the day, Chris, is lopsided in the favor of Chris Alt versus Gabby Williams. Yeah, he's got 77% of the vote, and I think we're about 150 votes in. So Gabby's going to need a tremendous rally like she uh, got uh, to beat David Wise. Uh, I mean, it's hard to beat Chris Alt. Uh, you know, we've talked about uh, the loyalty, the legacy, the 40 years of being a member of the Wolfpack. Uh, I think he's in like 27 different Hall of Fames. So, uh, you know, he's even in UNLV's Hall of Fame. He's in UNLV. Right. Nevada's, the College Football Hall of Fame, his high school's Hall of Fame. I'm sure he's in Bishop Minogue's Hall of Fame because he coached there, coached at Reno High. So, uh, you know, just a guy who's been here for so long and left such an imprint that it's really hard to measure up uh, to everything that he was able to accomplish in his life. Um, so, yeah, it, it looks like he's going to move on against Marion Motley, and that'll be a really fun uh, matchup if that's what it ends up being. Shannon, I want to talk about Gabby Williams just for a minute because she showed the Northern Nevada community that a small-town girl – Reno's not a big city. We love it not being a big city. But she showed that a, little, a, a, a young girl, a young woman from our area mm-hmm. can be recruited by the biggest program in college women's basketball at UConn. Gino Ariema uh, saw her and fell in love and said, yeah, I have to have this girl come play for me with the Huskies. Yeah, and I think that should just be an example for all the other female basketball players in our community and all the athletes, really, that you know, it doesn't matter where you live, you can still get recruited and you can still get seen. I mean, yeah, the numbers and the rankings and all that do play such a role, but at the end of the day, that necessarily doesn't really matter because once you you really are, and if there's a coach that believes in you and sees something in you, then that's all that really matters. And yeah, and Coach Ariyama, he saw something special in her and she is, she's a very special player. And to be playing now professionally, that's that's pretty impressive. I mean, I think she is the greatest basketball player from our area, no doubt. And yeah, I think she also deserves a statue over at Reed High School. Uh, Chris, that's a big statement too. I mean, and, and I think that Shannon's correct. I mean, even though you're talking about Luke Babbitt, who quietly had an incredible career in the NBA, Oleg Chiz playing at Reno High School, who, who was, I mean, I think if Oleg had been born in the States, he would have been an NFL tight end, just how springy he was. He was an absolute, uh, dominant athlete uh armand johnson yeah, made his way uh through the college ranks and, and got to play professionally uh, even go back to pete Padgett, you know guys like that but yeah i think that shannon nails it i i would if i had to be all right put to the stone and okay tell me who is your greatest high school or basketball player to come out of northern nevada you know what it's gabby williams yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, 100% correct. I mean, this is somebody who won two national championships at UConn. She only lost three games during a four-year career. She was an All-American in college. She was a number four pick of her draft. And I remember watching her during her senior season. They were playing uh, Reno High School, and that was a huge rivalry at the time because Reed won uh, the state championship in Gabby's sophomore season, then Reno won in the junior season because Gabby tore her ACL. So I wanted to go and cover that game. She was going against the uh, McGuire Twins. Uh, you know, Mallory went and played at Oregon, and now is at Boise State. Uh, and then her sister Morgan played for Santa Clara. There was a ton of talent on the court. Uh, you had Shaylin Shaw, who played for Boise State. You had like six or seven D1 players in the game. Uh, and Gabby had actually torn her AC 
ACL the game before, but still played uh, for the first half against Reno. And she still looked like she was so much more athletic than anybody else on that court. And like I said, you're talking about multiple Division One players. She was just a next level athlete. There's never going to be, I don't think, a female athlete who's just purely as athletic as Gabby Williams, somebody who uh, competed in the U.S. Olympic trials when she was 15 years old. Uh, and that showed me her playing on a torn ACL, which she didn't know it was torn at the time, um, but that just showed the determination, the grit, the competitiveness, uh, that she wasn't just this super athlete that didn't have all of those other things that make you a great basketball player. And then uh, she goes to UConn and, you know, National Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, there's literally nothing that she couldn't do on the court. Um, so, yeah, she is a very special player that I'm, I'm not sure we're ever going to see somebody like her again. Uh, and, you know, you have to value those people when they come through the system, the Luke Babbitts, the Armand Johnsons, the Gabby Williams. It's kind of crazy to think all of those players, two NBA players, a WNBA player, all came through Northern Nevada within a five-year period. Uh, and I think maybe people took it for granted just how special those players were when they were playing here. I, I recall a coach telling me uh, that he, he watched Gabby play in some pip, pickup games at, at uh, you know, a rec center or a gym or whatever. And uh, she was playing with the guys and the guys couldn't cover her. And that she probably would start for most teams, not just in Northern Nevada, but most teams in the state of Nevada. She was that good and is that good. And, uh, and honestly, off the court, she's just as good as a, per a person. But uh, she's got her, uh, got her work cut out for her here. We'll see if her social media horde can, can come through and, uh, and, and push her over the top against Coach Alt. But uh, that's going to be tough. As of right now, it looks like it, we're probably looking at a finals matchup of Chris Alt against Marion Motley. We'll have an update for you coming up on Wednesday. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, Patrick Mahomes won a Super Bowl, and he is cashing a pretty good paycheck today. Uh, we'll break down this deal coming up next. Welcome back to NSN Daily. Uh, what a day if you're Patrick Mahomes or Patrick Mahomes' agent or his dog or anything that has to do with, uh, with, with Patrick Mahomes. And you know what? Kudos to him. He went out and he won a Super Bowl for King on this deal that, uh, I mean, we're talking about could end up being worth $503 million, Chris. I mean, the $3 million just seems like it's tacked on there at the end. I mean, that would set any of us up for our, the rest of our lives. But um, a 12-year deal, largest contract for an athlete in the history of sport. When you saw this come down, did it surprise you at all? Well, I mean, the initial number is just shocking when you think somebody's getting a half a billion dollars to play football, but it's a football contract and football contracts are very different than basketball or baseball contracts. It's basically guaranteed for $141 million. So is he going to make $500 million off this deal? No. And the guarantee of the $140 million is just if he suffers an injury. So uh, he'll probably end up making about $200 million off of the deal. And my guess is they probably tear it up about halfway through and extend him out. But uh, it's, a, it's a major, major deal, clearly. And he's more than deserving. I mean, he's just a fabulous player to watch. I mean, he might be the most talented quarterback that we've ever seen. He's obviously not the most accomplished with what Tom Brady has done. But, uh, you know, it's just uh, it's painful for me because the draft pick that Patrick Mahomes was picked with was actually owned by the Buffalo Bills, and they traded that to the Chiefs for a future second-round draft pick. Uh, I, I, this future second-round draft pick was Tredavious White, who might be the best cornerback in the NFL, but I very much would have preferred if Patrick Mahomes was on the Bills. And it's just funny because it shows you that even NFL GMs, people who dedicate their entire life to this thing, 
they really don't know what they're doing when they're picking quarterbacks. You had Mitchell Trubisky go before Patrick Mahomes. You had Deshaun Watson go, a very good quarterback, before Patrick Mahomes. And you had the Bills, who clearly needed a quarterback, not pick Patrick Mahomes and trade the pick. So, uh, you know, great for Patrick Mahomes. He seems like he's a great guy, obviously uh, has accomplished a ton by the time that he's 23, 24 years old. And if anybody deserves a contract like this, it is him. The tough part for the Chiefs moving forward is now that he's taken up so much of the salary cap, almost 20%, can you surround him with pieces to where he goes out and wins four, five, six Super Bowls like Tom Brady? That's the thing. We were talking about this before we came on the air, Shannon, is that the Chiefs, they won the Super Bowl with incredible quarterback play, running back play. Their defense was – I mean, they had pieces around him. When you dedicate 20% of the salary cap to one guy, uh, I just – it's a lot. I mean, I don't know if I would have, would, have, uh, would have done that, but at the same time, you would have looked like a fool if you didn't. I mean, there's videos circulating on the interwebs of Bears fans watching that draft the year that they pit – Mitch Trubisky out of North Carolina and Bears fans are just face palming all over the place. And then Patrick Mahomes turns into who he is. Deshaun Watson is an electric quarterback who might lead the Texans to a Super Bowl someday. Uh, it's it, hindsight's 2020, but at the same time, that's a lot of money going to one guy. Yeah. I mean, I think the chiefs really threw all their eggs in one basket here. I feel like that's almost the best way to put it, but they're taking this risk and they're taking this chance on him. And you know, that also just shows that he wants to stay in Kansas city. I think that shows his loyalty to the organization. And, but yeah, it's tough because now, you know, you have to fill in the pieces because not one player is going to win a championship. That's just not how sports works. I mean, I think defense wins championships in my opinion. So how are they going to fill those defense holes? I mean, but they do have a strong defense already, so I think they'll be good for a little bit. But as years go down the road and they're, you know, trying to pick up these new draft picks, how much money is going to be in the pot? I guess they can just keep printing money, right? But, <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, there's only so much that can go around. Um, but I think that's a great, a great deal for him. And, you know, he'll be able to stay in Kansas City for a long time and really do something special there. And, you know, I think it's kind of ironic too now that he's going to be competing in the ACC this week. I think, you know, that'd be awesome if we had the chance to, to chat with him. He was a two-sport athlete at Texas Tech, and I think he'll have a pretty good golf swing since he played baseball too. Yeah, I got a feeling we're going to get him in the chair this week. Uh, we've we've uh, got, got some, uh, some pretty good plans along with the ACC to, uh, to get an extensive amount of interviews with, uh, with these guys one-on-one -on -one. yeah that that's the thing I'm going to miss the most I think is I really wanted to talk personally with Patrick Mahomes to kind of get to know him a little bit because you get to meet somebody especially in the golf course sort of atmosphere we, we kind of sneak out on the course maybe sometimes in places we're not supposed to be and when the players can get away from the fans and breathe a little bit grab a bottle of water and you just happen to be standing there you just have a casual conversation you get to see that a lot of these people are just regular guys but Chris alluding to Shannon's point is this just the Chiefs striking while the iron's hot and going, well, maybe in six years we suck because we don't have anybody around him? Well, they had to do it. I mean, he's the best quarterback in the game, and you can't let that guy walk away. And you can't just keep guys tagging him because the tag goes up 20%. So they had to give him the long-term deal. I think the smart thing is they basically added 10 years for the next two years, the salary cap situation won't be too bad. 
after that, it's going to be tough, though. You're probably not going to see a Tyreek Hill stick around. Travis Kelsey's probably not going to stick around. Chris Jones, their star defensive tackle, is not going to stick around. And it's going to turn into what you see with the Seahawks. The Seahawks had a great team around Russell Wilson when he was young. Yeah, and when he was on that rookie contract, and they could have all these defensive stars. And then when he's making all that money, the surrounding cast is just not going to be as good. So the Seahawks are still good because Russell Wilson's an incredible quarterback, but he doesn't have enough pieces to truly compete for a Super Bowl. So that will be the tricky part for the Chiefs moving forward is how do you supplement his skill set with limited budget? And it's going to have to come down to drafting well lower in the draft. You're going to have to hit on those picks and get really good players on cheap deals and continue to do that. But they had no choice. I mean, when you get Patrick Mahomes, you give him whatever he wants, and then you figure out the rest later. But figuring out the rest later is, is a difficult challenge just because you're not going to have the money to really surround him with star players. All right, coming up next here on NSN Daily. It is Tuesday. That means Takeout Tuesday, the NSN team's favorite spots to support local businesses coming up next. It is Tuesday, and that means Takeout Tuesday. Most times we'll have a feature about a local business, but uh, we want to stick with the, the mantra of supporting our local businesses because, you know, without them, we don't get fed, and uh, we want to help out our neighbors at the same time. Shannon, we, uh, Chris and I have named off a few things. I've got a couple more that I'll throw out today. Uh, what about yourself? What, uh, what takeout place have you been, um, have you been frequenting? Well, let's see. I mean, I've been cooking a lot at home during this whole quarantine thing, but there's a few places um, in particular that I've been to. So Casa Grande is always good. I love their burritos there. They have good Mexican food. <laughs> and anytime I'm up in Tahoe near Incline, I always go to tease Mesquite Rotisserie. I know Alex, Julian, Rez, they all love that spot too. That's a really good one. Um, let's see. For breakfast, I always love Squeeze In is a good place. Um, good local place. I'm trying to think where else in particular. Uh, Sizzle Pie, their pizza is pretty good there too. I don't know. If, have you guys checked out that place yet? I have not. I'm not cool enough. Aww. I think you have to have some sort of cool factor. Uh, <laughs> Julian Delgado is always talking about it, and uh, we know how cool Julian is. Chris, have you been to Sizzle Pie? I have a couple of times. Uh, so, yeah, it is kind of more in Midtown, and Midtown's for hipsters and people far cooler than us. But they do have a lot of outside seating, so maybe if you can't be let inside, uh, they'll at least let you sit outside and somebody can go get the pizza. They actually have a weird uh, soda fountain as well. It's like cane drinks. Uh, so it's not like your traditional Pepsi and, and that kind of stuff. But no, I like Sizzle. Sizzle would make my top five uh, pizza places. It's, it's, a, it's a good joint. I think my favorite, though, pizza place in town is JJ's Pie Co. I think mm -hmm. that's my favorite. Sizzle Pie's good, but JJ's also another good one. Um, trying to think where else. Two Chicks, also mm -hmm. another good breakfast spot. I like that one. Uh, their breakfast burrito. I'm a big breakfast burrito person. So <laughs> anytime I can get a good breakfast burrito anywhere, I'm, I'm happy. Uh, but one other place too this weekend that I checked out because we went on a hike in Verdi. It ended up being not the hike that we anticipated. We thought we were going to see some cool views <laughs> and it ended up being an ATV trail, but it was still, it was a good hike. <laughs> I hiked like seven miles, walked seven miles and then stopped at the Verdi local distillery. And they had really good drinks there. So I want to check that out more. They have drinks to go. So I'd be interested to talk to the owner to see more about that place because the drinks were really good. They had a nice little patio set up outside. Um, yeah, just a little hole-in-the-wall place over there. I've never really checked out Verdi, but they have a lot of different little restaurants. Yeah. I was going to actually touch on that. Uh, Verdi is one of those, being in the Northwest, 
there are times when I just need to get in the car and get out of the house, uh, <laughs> even if I'm not going anywhere. But my cruise is to Riverdye uh, because if I want to stop off at, at the park there and, and put my feet in the river, I can do that. There's a great hike around around the park there. Um, but yeah, I want to stop at Bigfoot Grill. Uh, Bigfoot Grill is right there at the intersection. And uh, and if you know what I'm talking about, there's one intersection in Verdi. Uh, <laughs> it's right there. They have outdoor seating. Uh, I've only eaten there a couple of times before, but um, I had a burger and it was fantastic. You talk about JJ's Pie Company. That's one of my favorites going back to college. You know, they have a, they have a steak sandwich, a uh, roast beef sandwich, actually, with um, with peppers on it, with pepperoncinis on it. And I believe it's called the Hot Wan, like the name Wan. But they, they, they weren't making sandwiches. It broke my heart. The last time... I called over there and ordered it. They're like, uh, yeah, we're just making pizzas right now. I'm like, crap, I want this sandwich. But uh, yeah, either way, get out and, uh, and uh, be, do it safely. Do it safely and, uh, and support our local businesses because you know this, these are the people that are our neighbors. And uh, once this thing is over, once we beat this thing, those are the places that you know, we'll be happy to continue to serve us once, uh, once life kind of gets back to normal. Uh, coming up next year on NSN Daily, one of our uh, one of our favorite folks on Twitter chimes in about the Chris Murray statue. Yeah. I almost said memorial statue. I didn't want to, that, that's, that would be bad. I don't want to. <laughs> so we'll talk about that next. I want to thank Christian Chamberlain for coming on the show today and uh, talking about uh, the next step in his professional career. If you want to check out uh, Ty Collins' uh, bio and all of the commitments to Nevada football, go to our website. That's nevadasportsnet.com. If you want to check that out, uh, Chris has got a great write-up following all 12 commitments so far. This has been a pretty healthy class uh, considering the situation. Got about 90 seconds left, guys. Um, you know, we were kicking around on this show this week uh, statues that we thought should be outside of Mackey Stadium. Chris Alt, Marion Motley, eventually Colin Kaepernick, and the identification that Colin Kaepernick went to college at Nevada and embracing that more than Nevada does at this moment. But I said, hey, Chris Murray statue, let's let's do that. And what would it be? It would be Chris typing or something like that. Um, fake Matt Mummy on Twitter, who's very interactive, Chris, uh, he's he's behind it. He's he's your biggest rallier. I'll make a little play statue, like one like about that high with my uh, son's Play-Doh, and I'll, I'll place it somewhere in Mackey Stadium as kind of like an Easter egg hunt for people to go find. But yeah, that was very nice of Fake Matt Mummy. Uh, you know, his... Uh, we still don't know who he is, but he is an avid watcher. And if he wants to reveal his identity, I'll do a full story on him and how he became the fake Matt Mummy. But yeah, very uh, nice to see some other people think that I'm worthy of a, a teensy little statue. Chris is dangling the bait out there right now. Uh, the Shannon Kelly statue, I think, would be of a picture. I think it's from your senior junior or senior year that I think John Byrne maybe snapped. Um, and I've got 30 seconds where you're just, you've got the visor on and you're like, yeah, after somebody <laughs> scores or a home run. It's one of my favorite pictures and it's, uh, it's really done, uh, does, does you justice of, of your passion, just not just with sports, but in life. Uh, for Shannon Kelly, uh, for Chris Murray and for Anthony Resnick, I'm Brian Samudio. Thanks for being with us here on NSN Daily. The mailbag will come up on Wednesday right here on The Big Show. We'll see you tomorrow.